That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Can we talk seven hours? Can we talk about something else? Hello. Out there. They say that opposites attract, and that's never so true as when a kind person runs into a total piece of shit. It's tough to watch, like a nature show when this happens. It's like when the crocodile rips a baby hippo from bath time, or when a hyena rips a wildebeest's guts out from its asshole in full gallop. But often, that's the way it is, isn't it? When kindness meets meanness. The easygoing are looking to chill while the high-strung are out to kill. Here's what I'm trying to say. Here's the problem. I'll put it as abstractly as I possibly can. When you let somebody across your boundary, the boundary then gets set wherever they want it to be. And when you finally resist in the form of exiting the entire relationship because you're being swallowed by it, that wolf you let into your hen house is going to start tearing everything to shreds. So what do we do? Do we have to start being rude to people who are too pushy as kind people to mean people? Yes, of course we do. Because to be kind is an invitation. And you never know what it is that you're opening your door to. At the very least, a pain in the ass that will steal your time and make you sick. And at the very worst, a dead-eyed psychopath like Albert Flick. Welcome to Dark Topic. I'm your host, Jack Luna. This is a true crime happening. A bad old man. July 15th, 2018. 9.30 a.m. Lewiston, Maine. It's a sunny morning on a shady street. If you know what I mean. There's a library, a homeless shelter, a coin-op laundry, probably the smell of old grease washing chicken balls wafting from some young guy's ancient Chinese restaurant. And this is my kind of street. Everybody outside, because there's no air conditioning or because they're homeless, 
People being good to one another as a result of last night haven't gone so poorly. They're raw. They want things to start off on the right foot. Fuck, that was messed up last night. Let's get over it. Everybody has their first hit in them, whether that be a beer or a shot of heroin. And for the moment, in the morning in these places, everything is cool. But if you look closer, there is strangeness afoot. Even Sesame Street has its stains on the sidewalk. And this picture... I paint of a hungover little side street in a haven of the hood is yellowing as the old man of this story totters into frame. And I know these places, and it's why I'm speaking so fondly of them. I used to work in a place, and it was a homeless shelter. The guy that I worked with, I was a co-op student when I was in college. He was in his early 30s, and I was 21 years old. And he took me on as a student, and he said he rarely does. But when I met him, I guess he liked me, and and uh, he brought me in immediately. And he took me out for the day, and many days. But on this first day, we, we go out, and uh, we're walking the neighborhood. And all the homeless guys there, they're trying to get placed into these halfway houses all around the block. And all these homes where these guys could end up staying, get off the streets to go to there if they earn that. All these homes had um, artificial turf on their porches. So you could spot them when you're driving around and you're going to check in. And they can find their way home, I guess, or the cops know where they're at or whatever. The artificial turfed porches are where the uh, criminals are at or the transitioning homeless are at. Mike and I went around that day and, and he said that I kind of made the cut and I became a student of his. And for the next six months, I worked in this homeless shelter under the tutelage of Michael. A hell of a guy. He had a short long, you know, a mullet, they call it. But uh, at the time, short long, a greasy short long. He always had trouble with women. There was these girls that he, we, were, we were working with, but he was, you know, that he had been in all these relationships with. And there was all these fucking problems for him all the time. I believe he was coked up half the time. Yeah, so was I. Uh, although I couldn't afford it, but when I could, I would get it. And uh, I remember one day us walking past a bunch of guys who were by the shelter, and they were smoking weed and probably, well, I know, probably. They were smoking crack. And uh, we walk up, we start talking to them, and they're like, hey, hit this mic. And Mike looks at me, he goes, what do you think? I go, oh, go ahead. He goes, well, what do you think? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I should hit it. He's like, yeah, if you want to. So I hit a joint. And uh, he smokes some of the joint, too. And uh, we walk away. We go back into our little office, and we're sitting there all fucked up and high and uh, joking around, and he's telling me stories and all that. Anyways, all this to say that I do know these neighborhoods, and that's why I'm describing them in such as much detail as I possibly can heading into this story. But I want to say about Michael D. when I was in college that he came to my graduation um, from the co-op program and I didn't think he would um, but he did and he showed up and he, and he spoke about me and he said that Jack is a street smart kid he's also um, a street dumb kid just like me and I had a really good time hanging out with him and when I asked him later what he meant by street dumb he said well you remember that day when we went and smoked all that weed with those guys you have to be street dumb you have you have to be you have to be willing to to get right into the streets. That's you have to be dumb to get involved in this. Um, you have to make stupid decisions. 
in order to, to enter the realm of these people, in order to be able to gain their trust. And that day that we smoked that weed with those guys, you gained their trust, and that's why you did so well, and that's why, you know, I'm with a, a proposing for you to, to work here and all that. And I ended up working there, too, as a street dumb guy. But anyways, moving on. That's me, Albert Flick. He's in this neighborhood here in uh, Lexington. Where the fuck are we again? Let me, Lex, sorry, Lewiston, Maine. And uh, he's a 77-year-old ex-con living in his days here like Brooks Hatland from Shawshank Redemption. And it's too bad that Flick has stayed busy living here rather than getting busy dying somewhere else like old Brooks had. Though I suppose you need a conscience and a heavy one at that to kill yourself. You will hear a lot of derogatory description when it comes to old Albert Flick listening to other podcasts or reading articles about it. We have a tendency as podcasters or as I guess as journalists who are out there, um, people writing articles, whatever, people doing YouTube channels to shit on the appearance of criminals. But you won't hear that here as I've been doing some soul searching and I've realized that to tear down anyone, even a guy like Albert Flick, for their appearance, that's low. People can't help the way they look. Simple as that. And for me to go on about how Flick has a face like an open can of tuna or a shriveled elephant's nutsack would alienate the aged section of my audience. And I'm better than that. So I just wanted to lay that down there. Anyways, there is strangeness afoot in this little shitty neighborhood. Old man Flick having moved in with his nephew after his latest prison release. But it hasn't taken him long to become a fixture of the neighborhood. Flick will take a lunch from the shelter at times and a book from the library once in a while. But as of late, he's been focused on taking 48-year-old Kimberly Dobby's time and her peace of mind. Flick, despite his old age and harmless appearance, is extremely dangerous. As Kimberly, a kind, red-headed, sprightly woman, recently fallen on hard times, is about to find out the hard way. It is now 9.32 a.m., July 15th of 2018, a sunny day in a shady street in Lewiston, Maine, and I repeat myself as Albert Flick prepares to do the same. He is focused on Kimberly Dobby as he slowly strolls into frame, hands behind his back, clutching something shiny, Kimberly is sitting out front of the laundromat. Laundromats always exist in place like this. She's talking on her phone. She's excited because there is hope that she and her twin 11-year-old boys are soon going to be leaving the shelter. It's a sad situation, but she's on top of it. She's got an apartment that's going to become available that, that she's immediately become the top prospect for. And with assistance through Hope Haven Mission, it looks like the former school teacher is about to turn things around. This is the way it works in these places, once again. See, if you show, like, high potential, if you show that you're not all fucked up on drugs and that you're just, like, a, a dude who's going to fuck it up when they get into this this possible, um, sorry, this this housing unit, they're not going to give it to you. But if, if you show that, you know, you've got real potential and in the meetings they have with you... Um, that you really want to turn things around they're they're going to give you that opportunity and she is one of these people the situation you know one like kimberly's is the beating heart of the social service system sure the social services system is great for scraping the mentally ill and homeless together a meal and a bus ticket 
uh, maybe a cot and some chump change for smokes. But when it can get a desperate middle-aged mother of two with an education and a spirit still shining and willing to get things right after surviving maybe an abusive relationship or a scrape with the law or drugs or booze or all the above, that social services system will come to life for you. There is something about Kimberly Dobby that in her short time at the shelter with her twin boys has improved the lives of those rooting for. She's friendly, intelligent, funny, energetic, and far too nice for her own good. Everybody's rooting for her. The workers are, the other, I want to call them, I was about to say inmates, the, the other people staying at the shelter, they're all rooting for her. She's uplifting everybody. She's just kind of like a flash in the pan. This is just a little side road for her. And the fact that she's shown up there and so humbly, and with such positivity, has, has really turned this shelter into uh, a cheering section for Kimberly and her kids. Albert Flick, the 77-year-old, stumbling around this neighborhood, he is closing in on Kimberly. It's 9.33 a.m. now, on a sunny morning of a shady street. He's been Kimberly's shadow for weeks now, always lingering around her, other women at the shelter have noticed this. They've told Kim she needs to tell Albert to fuck off. He's making her kids nervous, making her nervous. But Albert had bought them Dunkin' Donuts one day. He'd been a donut maker himself once, don't you know? A long, long time ago. And Kimberly felt there was no harm in him following them around for the short stint they'd be there. She was just kind of humoring him. And though she no longer leads him on with his strange flirting, which she did at the start, you know, many old men flirt, but there's very few that believe that it could go somewhere, that actually goes somewhere. It's a 77-year-old to a 48-year-old with two twin boys. But she gets this sense that this guy's a little off, that he does think it could go somewhere. So she cuts off the strange little flirts that were going on in the beginning. Though she doesn't come off completely. As I was saying, there are few old men who, well, there are many old men, creepy old men, but there are few of those creepy old men that actually think that they got a shot with these younger women that they hit on. There's so few that are so immature and full of enough piss and vinegar still to stalk and destroy those who would dare dismiss them. Albert Flick, though, is an anomaly in this sense. Born in the early 40s, he'd grown up rough and abused. He joined the army at age 18, but was soon given a hardship discharge and returned home to be with family. Presumably, there'd been an issue with someone's health or a financial emergency that required Albert to help out, to return, so that the family would not fall to ruin back then. This is when Albert Flick becomes a donut maker. It's a job that he'll hold for many years, wherein he eventually marries and continues making donuts until 1979, when his 35-year-old wife Sandra surprises Albert by having the police show up to their apartment so that she could safely hand him the papers for divorce. Albert is then escorted to the street back then. Clearly, he had been an abusive husband, and I can't say for certain that this is fact, as the information is scant, but in my experience, if you need to have armed men around you when confronting your husband about leaving him, you're probably concerned he's going to kill you for it. And it turns out Sandra had been wise to involve police, but they couldn't stay at the Westbrook, Maine apartment forever. A few weeks later, in late January of 1979, 37-year-old Albert Fleck back then parks three-quarters of a mile from the old apartment, 
rummages through his glove box to retrieve a three-inch jackknife, leaving behind his gun, and heads to his ex-wife's house now to get some satisfaction. Rosetta Stone, everybody. You know, for a long time, I've been wanting to go to Japan, but the thing holding me back is that I'm intimidated by the language. And that's why I've been going pretty hard at the Rosetta Stone service. I want to be able to take my girl to Japan, a place that she's always wanted to go, and suddenly just start speaking fluent Japanese at the restaurant. That's my goal. <laughs> Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on a desktop or as an app, and it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It's been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users, 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. Rosetta Stone immerses you in a bunch of ways. Uh, there's an intuitive process where you pick up the language naturally, first with words and phrases, then sentences. They have the speech recognition feature. Built-in true accent gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Uh, it's like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's convenient, and it's an amazing value, especially with this offer here. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Dark Topic listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. All right, everybody, Badlands food. I've been thinking about getting a dog with my little family. We're about to introduce a dog, I believe, at some point here in I have an interest in how we're going to be treating said dog. And it occurs to me, you know, that many dogs suffer from health issues. And with Badlands Food, actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. She's looking at their food. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that by just adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20 minute video explaining step-by-step step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. It caught my attention. And as I'm about to uh, get a dog, I think that I'm going to use this service, so I thought I'd share it with the audience as well. Uh, I know many of you have dogs. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com slash darktopic and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash darktopic to check it out. Badlandsfood.com Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Sandra isn't surprised to see him. She's spoken to Albert and the police to get rid of him a few times since the split. He keeps on hovering around, keeps on showing up, keeps on threatening things at the window at night. But this time around, Albert 
is expected. He's here to pick up some belongings, most importantly, his fishing poles. Sandra had a 12-year-old daughter from a previous marriage, and it is through her eyes that we'll watch what comes next. Peeking through the crack of her slightly open bedroom door, it's difficult to not come out and protect in some way, but Mother had told her to stay here until Albert had left, so here we stay in the back room, peeking in on the situation. Everything seems to be going okay. There's no yelling yet. Albert seems sober and in control of himself. He's showing this young girl's mom how to cut a hook off the line of his fishing pole, which is strange. Like, who gives a fuck? Who cares? It's not like this is his first date with the girl's mom, and they're going to go rent a canoe and kiss a guy a lake, rekindle what never really was in the first place. You know, why won't he leave? God, what a jerk. What a... You know, it's okay. It's okay. You can say it, girl. What what an asshole. He proves it in this moment, as she thinks it, I'm sure. Albert grabs the girl's mom by the arm, twists it behind her back, and shoves her into a chair. Then he straddles her and begins plunging the knife rapidly into this 12-year-old's mother. And this 12-year-old girl we're on board with can't stay hidden any longer. She escapes the room, rushes past her screaming mother, a mother screaming this daughter's name as she passes. And Albert Flick, on her, grunting and stabbing and lost in his bloody rage, continues plunging in that knife. We are out in the hallway and down the stairs. We are banging on a door and begging for help. He's killing my mom. Who? Albert, upstairs. He's stabbing her in a chair. Please help. And the man from the apartment is rushing upstairs now. Then Albert is pounding back down and out the front door. He was wild-eyed and covered in blood. What did he do to mom? And Sandra upstairs, she's dying. A dozen or so bleeding holes in her blouse. She manages to whisper that Albert has done it. That Albert has done her in. As she passes away. This is the violent past of Albert Flick. The old man approaching on the sunny street in the shady neighborhood 2018 approaching another mother with two 11-year-old twins playing close by, kids that Albert hates as they're keeping Kim from being his. And like with Sandra way back in 79, if he can't have Kim in 2018, nobody will. He shouldn't be here. He should still be incarcerated. But Albert Flick had been released 25 years or so after the murder of his soon-to-be ex-wife. He'd been released at the age of 62, then had reoffended stabbing another woman who dared to reject him in 2007 in his late 60s, stabbing her with a fork and beating her about the head until help intervened. He would serve a couple more years for this, then be released again, only to attack another woman in 2010, this time with a screwdriver. And can you believe this shit? But he's getting damn old and can't manage to get a fatal stab in with the screwdriver. He's 70 at this point, and when police respond, they find him trying to hang himself from a fire escape, but he's putting cuffs before he can jump with a rope half over his face. His beautiful, nutsack face. And what to do with an animal, like Albert Flick? What to do when he's up for sentencing? Well, the judge doesn't see any reason to keep him too long. He's, quote, aging out. This is the thought. Let's give him another handful of years, the judge says. You know, what do you think? Four, five more years? Let's get him to his mid to late 70s, then give him one more shot, how about? You know, he won't do any harm in his mid-70s. Here's Judge Robert Crowley justifying the short sentence he's about to hand down to Flick. 
after all this shit that happened in 2007, 2010, uh, all this shit that they call, what do they call it? Recidivism. There's absolutely nothing in Mr. Flick's past history that suggests that he is going to choose to abandon his behaviors of assaultive conduct toward women. However, from his appearance and the fact of the date of his birth, uh, he will be 72 or 73 when released from the probation revocation. And at some point, Mr. Flick is going to age out of his capacity to engage in this conduct and incarcerating him beyond the time that he ages out doesn't seem to me to make good sense from a criminological or physical perspective. <laughs> and to be fair to Judge Robert Crowley, who um, retired shortly after this sentence, the stats were in his favor. They were on his side. You know, a 72, 73-year-old man normally doesn't continue with this behavior, but we're not dealing with a normal 72, 73-year-old man by the time he gets out. Flick is released, as promised, by 2014, and immediately he returns uh, to prison after threatening the woman he'd attacked with the screwdriver, telling the woman, quote, you're going to get yours. It's two more years for this breach probation, and it's thought that certainly this so-called aging out has to be kicking in by now when Flick is released again to eventually find himself approaching his newest love interest, his latest source of scorn, at 9.34 a.m. of July 15th. 2018 in Lewiston, Maine. Kimberly Dobby continues with her phone call. Her 11-year-old twin boys are playing close by as a shadow blocks the sun on the shady street. Her shadow, as the girls from the shelter had dubbed Flick. Kimberly ignores Flick, who had recently been behaving as though he might come with her to the new apartment, saying he'd get a truck for their stuff. I don't know how he'd get it. Going on like they were together and had a life ahead of them, raising her twin boys together that he hated so much. To Kimberly Dobby, Flick is just a sad, delusional old man in the neighborhood that would be out of her life in a few days, and if he wanted to hang around like a little puppy until then, so be it. She's a kind woman, he's a mean man, she doesn't realize how fucking mean, but she's just kind of putting up this so-called shadow around her and her kids. Her kids are very nervous around this old man. I mean, they're always looking around corners and stuff for him, and he's always there. It's said that he's constantly surveilling her in the weeks that she's staying at this shelter. Flick, as we now know, is anything but harmless, and he proves it when at 9.35 a.m. of July 15, 2018, a date and time in the top corner of the surveillance footage I've gleaned much of this from and that you can find in the show notes, Flick produces the pink-handled shears that he'd bought from a local Walmart and begins brutally stabbing Kimberly Dobby as she sits on the window ledge of the laundry. She screams into the phone. Her children stop their horseplay and turn to witness their mother's murder. And Albert Flick manages, at age 77, to plunge 11 holes into the last woman who will ever wrong him before a witness swoops in and flicks Flick away with a drop kick. Flicks him away from Kimberly Dobby's corpse. Now how about that? 
for aging out. Not bad. For an old man. Well, come on, that's really bad. But what do you expect? From a bad old man. And that'll do it. Hey, the last time... Well, first, let me say this. Old men like this. I worked with half a dozen of them. As a male in the social services field, as a, as a young man, I was assigned to a lot of old men. Whether that be in nursing homes or, or in... Um, what was it when I had to go to fucking houses? What do they call it? Hospice care. They would assign me to houses with like creepy old men because they didn't want women to have to deal with them. So they'd have complaints about them and all that. And I dealt with a lot of creepy old men. And uh, this type of guy isn't really foreign to me. Although the aspect of him just continuously being this runaway train of latching onto women, getting jealous about the shit, almost setting up the jealousy. I mean, how could he possibly think that he can have a chance with a 48-year-old woman with twin boys? who's intelligent and, you know, loved by everybody in the neighborhood. How, how, could, how could a 77-year-old man think he had a shot? Uh, it's almost like he's setting himself up for rejection to get the opportunity to feel the anger and then to unleash the anger. It's like he's addicted to vengeance. I never really dealt with that. But I certainly dealt with a lot of bitter old men and who would say a lot of dangerous things. I bet the girls in the apartment that that they lived in, the girls that had worked there before where I was at, trying to have weird sexual conversations about it. I've worked in nursing homes with like Alzheimer patients or just regular old dying men who are so creepy towards the women there. And it's usually laughed off, or at least then it was. I don't know what the world's like now when it, when it comes to that. But I always felt like, wow, you fucking lived your, old, your whole life. You were a married man, you had kids, many of them. And now you're going to end this life? You're going to fucking put the cherry on top of your life by grabbing 22-year-old girls' asses and making weird fucking comments and shit? And they're all like, oh, he's harmless, you know. He's on his way out. You can give him a break. It's like, ah, I don't know. If he was a truly good man, this wouldn't be happening. He would treat you like a granddaughter. Why is he treating you like a sex object? And why are there so many of them? Almost every fucking old man that I dealt with was a piece of shit. But I, to be fair, that was why I was there. It was to deal with these old piece of shit men. So I might be a little... Uh, my, my view on that might be a little skewed. Anyways, the last time that I spoke to you guys at the end of an episode, I said... I Some people fucking reached out to me and said that I was saying that crack cocaine is good. I was talking about addiction and how I like nicotine. And I said why I like crack cocaine. Uh, because it solves some of my problems. People are like, it causes a lot of problems. Like, no fucking shit. Like, do I have to, like, explain everything after I say it? Just just so you know, uh, crack's bad, okay? It's, there's somebody listening right now like, oh, shit, you told me it was good. They put, just put the crack pipe down. You're welcome. I just fixed your life. Hey, crack cocaine's bad for you. Just so you know. Some of these people would reach out. They're like, you have a responsibility to your audience. You have a responsibility. People are listening. They'll listen to you. It's like, well, you, they're adults. Who gives a fuck? There's people talking to them on the street. There's people, oh, you, I, I'm not a journalist. I'm a real person. I'm speaking into a podcast mic. I, I, I love podcasting. 
uh, uh, listening to certain podcasts for this, that they don't have a boss and they don't have somebody telling them like, oh, you might not want to say that. I like hearing people make mistakes. I like hearing people be honest and real. And I strive to be that myself. So, you know, if you don't fucking, if it, if it gets your panties in a bunch, me not rounding out every fucking thought I have, then fuck off, I guess, right? But uh, there, I do have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash dark topic if you want more. Um, something I've been working on lately is, is that being positive really counts, despite the way I was just behaving. Um, I tried to say it earlier, but a lot of people were making fun of the way this guy looks. And it's like, oh, you just fucking have at him because he's a piece of shit. And I had my way with him. I called him an open can of tuna, I think. And I said, this face looks like a shriveled nutsack or whatever. But really, it's low blows, man. And uh, I'm, I'm, I think I've done a lot of that in the past. And... I, I, I sincerely apologize for that to myself in the future if I'm listening back to it, to you, to, to me, to, to, <laughs> to the way I'm, I'm, I'm presenting myself because I'm not like that. And it's a very weak way to do things. Um, in, in real life, I would never insult somebody about their looks. I really wouldn't. I, it's, it's really low fucking hanging fruit. And what you should do is tear people down if you're going to um, about their behavior. So I wanted to say that. And uh, other than that, I hope that Mike Fee was listening because I'd really like to reconnect with that guy. We had some good time. We sure did. And I got to cut in here. This is uh, recorded afterwards. I I did reach out to, to Mike from the um, shelter that I worked at. And throughout this episode, you'll hear some weird cuts. And it's because he requested that I do not say his last name. <laughs> so we did reconnect, me and the guy from the shelter. Um but he didn't want me to say his last name, which I understand. I'm fucking stupid for even saying it. I thought he was dead. Uh, he's not. So that's a good thing. Way to go, Mike. Uh, I hope the world is still this way, where in the low-down, dirty situations that, that occur, that people, you know, who comment on them and, and say that there should be a certain way that it should be um, navigated, not being in the situation, um, are left out of it. And the people who are in it deal with it as it comes. I hope that's still the same way that it is. I hope that's still the same way as is in shelters. Um, I hope that's the way it is in you know group homes, in prisons. I- I'm sure it is. And to those who work in those fields, I just want to say, no matter how you fucking handle that, God bless you for even being there, okay? God bless you for even fucking being there. These people who will judge you and however the way you fucking deal with it, they have no idea what it's like down there. So, God bless you. All right? And uh, if you've been doing it wrong, tomorrow's another day. And uh, try to take some of the edge off by, I don't know, smoking crack with them. So, I need to do some shout-outs here real quick from the high-level tier of Patreon. Thank you, Heather Gallagher. Thank you so much, Heather. I think you've been here before in your back. Thank you, Heather. And Manuel Salazar. Thank you so much, Manuel, for your high-level support on uh, Patreon there. I am going to... I was talking about the bar that burned down, and uh, I had a buddy of mine show up today, and he asked me to do some ice making. When I first came to this town, I was the ice man. I got a job doing the curling rink as a peddler. You got to throw down this 
water um, through like a shower nozzle and it puts little pebbles of water onto the ice and that's what helps the rock in uh, curling to slide across the ice as it does and to scrape you have to scrape a certain way so that it makes each lane kind of unique and they get to know the lay of the land with it it's a it's a it's an interesting trade that i didn't stick with uh because i was getting too drunk and i was going to kill myself no i uh, it gets boring after not boring sorry it just fucking sucks after a year but i had a good time for that year that I did it. And they want me to come back and do some ice making for some bond spiels, if you know what those are, uh, coming up. So I might do that. I'm getting back to playing a little bit of pool and getting involved in the Legion a little bit more now that the bar's gone. And it's kind of been a weird blessing um, that I'm getting more involved with the guys over the Legion because if you know about small towns, if you're a small town, if you live in one is anything like mine, the bar is where all the dregs kind of go. And I was getting in some trouble there. And I had a lot of great times there. But at the Legion, there's the older folks and you play snooker rather than pool, and you talk about things like your career rather than your um, ability to go find cocaine, and it's been real good for me. So maybe I'll get into some ice making coming up. Uh, other than that, what the fuck else am I gonna ramble about? How about, can you please give me a review uh, for Dark Topic? It, it does help with my visibility. I don't have really the greatest visibility since I left Dark Topic last time, got involved with all the other stuff, and then I've come back. Um, I'm kind of struggling with my visibility. So if you haven't left a review, please leave uh, whatever fucking review you want to leave. Um, it all helps. And that'll do it. Until next time, I hope you're all well. Um, and I'll be back as soon as I possibly can. I have big things happening behind the scenes that I don't really want to like fucking promise or announce because, you know, I break a lot of promises. But um, things are looking really up and it looks like I'm going to have a lot more time to do this. So I hope to see you real soon. And thanks once again for tuning in. Until next time, keep those eyes cocked, those doors locked, and stay paranoid. Thank you so much. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Mm -hmm.